Hello, welcome to the Property Report Podcast, produced by Property Guru Property Report, the official magazine of the Asia Property Awards and Asia Real Estate Summit. We'll talk about innovations, issues, and technologies that are reshaping our homes and communities. The founder of Bandek Foundation, Mr. Nikola Krasta, joins us on today's episode. Welcome to the Property Guru Property Report Podcast. I am Janine, the digital editor of Property Guru Property Report. Today, we talk about all things ESG in terms of real estate and construction, which is basically about helping the environment, helping the disadvantaged, and leaving the world a better place for future generations. In technical terms, ESG stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance, three of the central criteria for measuring the sustainability and societal impact of an investment in a company or business. And with more socially conscious investors than ever, it has become vital for any business to do well in their ESG reports. Nowadays, delivering the best financial results is no longer good enough. Companies have to do good as well. That is why for today's episode, we will be joined by Nicola Crosta, founder of Bandak Foundation, a nonprofit that spent nearly a decade working with construction companies and developers to help improve worker camp environments in Thailand. Good to have you here with us, Nicola. Can you tell us about Bandak Foundation's role in bringing forth awareness on the importance of ESG to the real estate industry? Yes, hello and uh, thank you for having me here. It's a pleasure. Yes, I started the Bandek Foundation several years ago. Bandek is a Thai registered foundation that supports children and families and particularly employed in the construction industry. So that the children of those workers employed by the real estate industry. We have realized quite quickly that in order to achieve the social impact that we want to achieve, we need to work very closely with companies and with the real estate industry. And the way we do it is basically to help them understand the importance of playing a positive role in achieving those social outcomes. And in particular, what we do is we help provide the information that the industry needs on the social development challenges. We help develop very concrete frameworks and uh, recommendations that can guide their actions. And we offer tools that they can use to act on these problems and to monitor their progress. Okay, so why do you think it is important for real estate more than any other industry to practice ESG? Yeah, look, it is essential because if you think about it, the real estate industry literally shapes our cities and therefore has a big impact on our society. They influence the way we work, we live, we play, and even the way we access uh, fundamental public services. By the way, it is clear that these effects will be further amplified with increasing urbanization. So they have a big role to play. The sector has a big role to play in terms of social impact. And so ESG practices are definitely crucial. And another thing that sets the real estate industry apart, in my opinion, is that whereas most industries develop their products and services behind the closed doors, the real estate industry is immediately part of society during the process of development. So think of how construction affects traffic or pollution or nearby businesses and how the 
construction workers interact with local communities. So you see developers and contractors have, a, have the opportunity to, to act directly on social and environmental challenges. And I would argue that whether and how they do it is very, very visible. So it's a big opportunity they have, but also considerable challenge. Mm-hmm. Fair points. And yeah, it should be quite a challenge because adopting ESG metrics mean these companies would have to update their business operations and allocate funds for it. My question is, how can we convince the real estate industry in Asia Pacific to see ESG as an investment instead of an unnecessary cost? Yes, it's correct to say that playing a positive role in addressing these challenges uh, requires to allocate some funds. It is very important when you want to achieve social impact to, uh, if you allow me the expression, to put your your money where, where your mouth is. But it is equally important to, to underline that these allocation of funds should not be seen as a cost. This is an investment. And we have done extensive research in partnership with about 40, uh, over 40, 47 to be precise companies in this sector that has shown that this kind of investment brings at least six key benefits to companies. And let let me list them because I think they are very important. So the first is a benefit in terms of improved ESG performance, which is so important on on stock exchanges for these companies. The second is the opportunity to improve their environmental impact assessment, uh, which is important for the approval of major construction projects. The third benefit is in terms of risk management. When you deal properly with the workforce and their challenges and the environments in which they live and work, you have, for instance, less accidents. And this is uh, very important in terms of risk management for these companies. Fourth, there is the question of workforce retention. And I'm uh, referring to construction workers, which are very mobile by definition, most of them are migrants. So treating them well and understanding their needs and the needs of their children is a very powerful way to retain the staff. Fifth, there is an immense benefit in terms of internal communication and uh, staff engagement. You know, in these times, it is not easy for big companies to attract and retain talent. So if you are a good company, if you have a positive role in society, that is much easier. And last six point is obviously the contribution that this kind of investment have in terms of the overall reputation, uh, brand value, and relationships with governments, both national and local, that the real estate companies can have. Earlier, you mentioned workforce retention. How important is it that the industry improves this? And how does this tie into productivity and occupational safety? Yeah, look, this is critical because, again, arguably, I would say that the most important aspects of a project, of a successful project for developers are three, basically. They are time, quality, and cost. And, of course, reducing liability is also critical. And one of the most important variables to control for all of these points is, indeed, workforce retention. You have to consider that uh, the opportunity cost of having low workforce retention is very high in this sector. And on the other hand, it is clear also that as the experience of a worker within a company or within a role extends, their skill increases, which of course relates quality and operational safety to retention. So workforce retention is absolutely critical in this industry. And again, the kind of ESG investment when we discussed contribute to that. Now that we talked about the worker situations, can you tell us how advocating for changes to worker camp environments will affect construction starts and schedules? 
So the answer is that taking care of these things and advocating for changes to worker camper environments do not really affect construction starts and schedules. What we have found is that today what needs to be done on these camps is quite clear. Let me refer to a document that we have published a couple of years ago. It's called the Chamai Framework for Action, which identifies 12 clear things that can be done to address the social and environmental challenges on these camps. The how these things can be done also is increasingly clear. We publish guidelines and protocols that can help players in the real estate industry to implement in very concrete terms these 12 points. And lastly, we are now developing self-assessment tools that can also help players in this industry check by themselves whether they are doing well or not. And, you know, once these tools are available, you can integrate these kind of actions in the business model. And this doesn't affect any longer the start or the schedule of construction camps. On another note, we found a statistic that is quite concerning. According to the International Labour Organization, no less than 180,000 workers die on site each year. How do we keep these numbers down? Well, this is, of course, a question of making sure that the sector understands well their both living and working conditions. And look, this is not rocket science. I mean, these camps and the construction sites have very similar characteristics. And I think that there is a good understanding in the industry of what are the conditions can make uh, these environments more or less dangerous. It's just a question of making sure that these are constantly monitored and addressed. Yeah, conducting a thorough risk assessment regularly is crucial for the safety of the workers. Let's now talk about your partnership with UNICEF. How urgent is the plight of children living in construction site camps right now? And what can the average listener do about it? Yeah, look, urgent, definitely it is urgent to take action. We have a critical partnership with UNICEF because, as I was saying, the main focus of our action are the conditions of children, of construction workers. And our estimates is if you take a country like Thailand, only in Thailand there are approximately 60,000 children that live on construction sites. Most of them are migrants and their educational and healthcare and safety outcomes are very low. So there is a need to take action. And obviously, as you and all your listeners know very well, now with the public health crisis that is ongoing, the economic crisis, their conditions are likely to get worse. So there is Mm -hmm. something important and something urgent to act upon. Our partnership with UNICEF is critical. UNICEF has helped us do three key things that I believe are important contributions to deal with these challenges. First, we developed together the first rigorous study that explains what are the challenges that these children face. Secondly, we developed a framework for action with those 12 key recommendations for players in the real estate industry, which I think is important because we have to understand that for these companies, it is not necessarily easy to act on these things. You know, they are not non-profit organizations. So they're a bit out of their comfort zone. So for us, it was important to provide a clear framework for action. And lastly, again, with UNICEF, we are developing guidelines and self-assessment tools that I believe will make it uh, much easier for companies in the real estate industry to take action. So we are providing the information and the tools to address the social and environmental challenges. And I would argue that it is the responsibility of anybody in this industry to use them. 
Bandak Foundation's work throughout the years has been and continues to be quite an inspiration and is definitely much needed by the industry and the country. So how do you measure success at your nonprofit organization? Yeah, look, measuring our success or more specifically our impact is very important for us. So we are set up a very rigorous system and a set of KPIs that we impose to ourselves. And perhaps this is also why the private sector likes to work with us, because I think that we are like-minded. We are results-oriented and we like to measure and to be clear and transparent on whether we are doing mm -hmm. things right and when we are not. And we measure our impact across two key dimension, dimensions. One is the direct impact that we want to have on these children and their families. So we measure both the scope of our impacts in terms of number of children and families that we can support and the depth of their impact. So meaning how can we change trajectory of their life? Are we doing it in terms of education and healthcare, for instance? And then the other dimension is the we call it systemic impact. And there what we measure is basically the number of companies that we can work with and the quality and depth of the changes that we see in their practices and behaviors. Okay, great. I think that's all the time that we have left for today. Great to have you here with us once again, Nicola. If you're interested to know more about Bandak Foundation and the important work they're doing, please visit their website, bandakfoundation.org. That's B-A-A-N-D-E-K foundation.org. Nicola, do you have anything else to share with our listeners? No, that's all for today. Thank you for having me here. The pleasure is ours, Nicola. And to our listeners, thanks for listening to the Property Guru Property Report podcast. Make sure to stay tuned to our next episode. Keep safe, sane, and healthy always. enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and tune in next time.